Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's trying to save the world, but the world isn't trying to save him. It's Richard Herring! Thank you very much. Oh, no, look, what a disaster. How professional. Welcome, my fine friends, to uh, the Leicester Square Theatre. I'm Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, I was talking uh, to some people on Twitter the other day, which, you know, at the moment is still an ongoing thing. By the time this goes out, I'm pretty sure will be a retro... That'll be a very retro reference. People go, oh, yeah, remember that? It's It's a couple of months away to broadcast, so I think it'll be dead by then. And uh, some racist people and Elon Musk call it Rahalastabas. So I don't know if that's going to... That's all that's, all that's left. Um, it is... Uh, it's lovely to be here. Um, I, 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 I've cut my uh, finger there. Look at that. Yeah. I, I cut it. I was washing up a tin can so I could recycle it. Why does, why does bad things happen to good people? I was trying to save the world. <laughs> 
I do so much to say, the, the world's going to end, apparently, it's too late, so, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> but I'm the only person I know who takes all the plastic wraps off things that say you can recycle at big supermarkets and actually takes them to big supermarkets. I'm the only per- I must be the only person who does it because there's only one bin at every supermarket and it's, it's usually quite full and there's the slot. You can only put one thing through at a time. It's the, it's the absolute... It's like they don't want to recycle that stuff. That's one. But I do it because I'm trying to save the world. So I'm a good, I'm a good guy. Uh, I've been up in Yorkshire this week. I went to, I did a lovely gig at uh, the Leeds wardrobe of uh, Can I Have My Ball Back? Kahima Bubba. And um, probably won't catch on. Uh, (laughs) Which I'm hoping to tour in 2024. Uh, Probably after the tour of this, um, which I'm touring. Do go to richherring.com slash Rahalastapa. Uh, and uh, you can see all the places I'm coming to. Do come along uh, if you can. I was up. Uh, I was up. In, I went to see York City, who are magic. Uh, play Middlesbrough. It's a big pre-season match. It's a nil-nil draw. Pretty exciting. They're, they're, they're good though. I'm going to constantly predict York City get promoted this season. You see if I'm wrong. I said at the beginning of 2020, I've got a feeling this is going to be a great year. My prediction skills. <laughs> Ah, terrific. So do watch out for that. Right, look, we've got an absolutely amazing guest for you this week. I'm not going to waste any more time with my ad-lib nonsense. Uh, he is probably best known for playing the Wazir in Carry On Columbus, probably the, probably the most popular carry-on film. <laughs> it's the one people talk about, isn't it? Will you please welcome the incredible Nigel Planer, ladies and gentlemen. The Wazir. The Wazir. Thank you very much. Welcome. Yeah, we've made it deliberately difficult for you. It's a trap. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Good. Uh, well, do, look, do people stop you in the street and say, it's you, the wazir from Carry On Columbus, every still day. every day? Every day, yes. Every day. <laughs> I get it all the time. Yeah. Happy memories of the Carry On, the Carry on Columbus <laughs> shoot? Yes, what a terrible film that. <laughs> but it was only one day. Oh, you did one I did. Day. I yeah. only did one day. And um, it was, I was Rick's wazir. Right. And Rick was having a, a great time being the, the, the sultan or whatever he was playing. And I felt, I don't know if any of you have seen the film, I felt he was the only guy who gave it what it deserved, a proper yeah. bit of a proper bit of carry on, uh, with lots of innuendos <laughs> and completely over the top stuff. Yeah. And everybody else I think was completely miscast. Uh it had Alexi Sale, yeah. Peter Richardson playing the, the meant to be playing a sort of saucy f- fellow with a glum look on his face, <laughs> like, why have I agreed to do this? And um, Jim Dale was good. He was yeah. Jim Dale. He was doing Jim Dale, and that's wonderful. But even by then, most of the main cast of uh, the Karen films had, had died, sadly, hadn't they? So there were... There, I mean, Jim Dale was probably... Jim Dale was still was, to... around now, isn't he? Still. Yeah, he's still going. Yeah, yeah. Immortal. But it wasn't... Um... Dick-a-dum-dum, dick-a-dum-dum. What's that? He, he, he wrote Dick a Dum. I think he did. I think he wrote. He wrote Dick a Dum Dum. Dick a Dum Dum. Oh, did he? I think so. Yeah. He wrote Hey there, Georgie girl. Did he? Da, 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 Let's talk about Jim Dale for an hour. So yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's get Jim. I wonder if I should have got Jim Dale on. Yeah. He does a lot talk of, about He does a lot of really good funny walks as well. Does he? <laughs> he does a one man show where he shows his wiggle hips funny yes. walk that he did as a kid. Yes. Well, he's a proper entertainer, Jim Dale. <laughs> he's a proper entertainer. <laughs> it's a shame, though, isn't it? Because, I, you know, you feel like. I guess it was, a, it was maybe a little bit too early to do it because there were still, you know, some of the originals around and working. But you feel like there could have been a, a fantastic new generation of carry-on-esque or Br- British comedy films with that amazing yeah. 1980s, 1990s crew of people. Yeah, but... <laughs> it's, the, it's the sort of innuendo, the whole thing, when the, the crew that we had with... You know, with Alexi and Peter, myself, yeah. um, uh, uh, the only person who had the courage to actually go for, the, you know, as I said, the sexism and the, you know, core, there's a lovely pair. <laughs> and, you know, all, that's what a carry-on film's about. It's it all is. got to be innuendo. And, you know, we were meant to be, uh, you know, non-racist, non-sexist comedians. Yeah. And it just, that's gone out of fashion. And, and Rick was the only one who actually grabbed it by the... <laughs> you know, and went for it, and and as a result, he he's funny in that film. Yeah. I don't think anybody else is. I must give it a watch. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, so I'm so I was saving up. <laughs> Never got past Carry On Emmanuel. That was that was the. <laughs> I had to take a rest after that one. <laughs> it's what killed most of the cast, I think. Carry On Emmanuel. Carry On Emmanuel. Emmanuel. I've never heard of that one. Oh, yeah, it's bad. It's Have bad. you thought Carry On Columbus was bad? <laughs> Really. Uh, Kenneth Williams is in it, but really does not want to be in I mean, really doesn't want to be in But, I mean, there's a, 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 a thought. Did any of them actually want to be in them in the first place? You hear stories of them afterwards, and they were, they were reluctant about their, their, their acting careers yeah. going into carry-on, which was uh, two-dimensional uh, caricatures, wasn't yeah. it? Well, it's, diff- it's, the, it's, the, it's the difficult thing for anyone who su- was successful, obviously, in the 60s. And some of those early carry-on films are, are quite subtle and, and, and are they? character-driven. Yeah, there's some, some of the early ones are uh, Go on, are name good. one. Uh, <laughs> I think Carry On Constable is quite a good... And I don't know if there's a joke in the title there, but I think there's... Is, is quite, a, quite a good... Show. And the Carry On Spying, is it the early one? That's a pretty, pretty good one. Oh, um, right. I'm not a carry-on expert. I like carry-on screaming, but that's a later one. Carry-on oh, screaming, right, carry right, screaming right. is a very good one. But yeah, I mean, Kenneth Williams did enjoy it, but then, he, you know, you get typecast into something. Yeah, And, it, yeah. you know, that was something that was, must have been a, a fear for you because you had a very, I mean, an early success with a, with a character that we all still talk about and the young ones we still talk about. Yeah, uh, you have yeah, gone yeah. on, I think, to show that there's a lot more to you than, than that. But if, if you'd ended up just playing Neil for the next... For the last 40, 30, 40 years, yeah, like Ken Williams had to end up playing. I'd Kenny be Williams. quite wealthy. <laughs> Do you think people trouble. will still be paying for it? <laughs> Here he comes again. <laughs> his, his final come back to a hole in my shoe. Here we go. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's a, it's a danger, isn't it? As a as a comedy actor, comedy performer, you want to do something successful that everyone knows and loves for, for the rest of your life, which you've or you know you've done several times over, I'd say. But there's a you know there's that flip side that for I think for Kenneth Williams more than anyone who saw yeah. himself as a yeah. uh, correctly as a fantastic actor, he, he he sort of got pigeonholed into something. And Harry H. Corbett, I yes. don't know if you remember him. From Step to and Son, the son in Harry H. Corbett was a—he uh, had just done a 
you know, seminal of a generation Richard III at the Royal Shakespeare or wherever, the equivalent of. And he was a, a proper actor. Yeah. And he got this part of, uh, in the Steptoe, Harold Steptoe, and that was it. And he, was, he wasn't happy about it, you yeah. know, because that was, that was the, the limit of it. And he did resent it the rest of his life, which is a shame because you think it's so good. It is so good. And, you know... You know that's, but that's that's it. There's, it goes two ways. I think like some I, we had Michael Palin uh, on, and he was very happy to re- talk about all of his <laughs> everything he did and quote sketches and stuff. And I think that's the way to go, really, isn't it? To be proud and pleased of what you've done and glad that people remember it and love it. But yeah, yeah for for you know, Step to and Son is actually. I mean, it's Step to and Son's close to being as good as Richard the Third. I'm afraid in reality. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. No offence to Shakespeare, but he, yeah. he couldn't have done 80 episodes of fucking Richard III, could he? <laughs> well, I suppose not. <laughs> Mind you, 80 episodes. We didn't get near that with <laughs> no. the young ones. We, we only did six. No, 12. No, 12. 12. 12. 12. Six, two, it felt, it felt like six. It, it's not a lot. It's a, it few, it's a few weeks' work. Yeah. The way Adrian... Uh, 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 always describes it is he was counting it up he said oh it was so that's three months work 43 years ago yes so that's how he likes to think of it because he likes to move on put it in the past but it's quite an important three months work well i was saying to backstage you know it is it's it's for me it was I'd, i'd loved monty python and i'd loved uh, Pete and Dud, and not the Nine O'Clock News, to be fair, but they were mainly things that were like previous generations. But the young ones came along, and it was it was ours, you know. And that's what I think anyone, any comedian of my generation, the young ones was our thing, and it was mind blowing and life changing. And I think also led to you know re- regular kids. I was growing up in Somerset, you know. My I'd, I'd said I want to be an actor or a writer to my careers advice, and they said, well, you can't do that. You'll have to work in a bank. Yeah, well, I'm not going to work in a fucking bank. I'm definitely not doing that. But you know, it wasn't. It, it, it felt with it felt like the punk movement of of comedy, and it made yeah, it made yeah. comedy seem accessible to to regular kids. I think so. It was it was massively important. I think as a series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. Ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not worked out. But, yeah, it is, it is you know, we won't talk about it too much. Cause we, 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 did, uh, we did a lockdown chat together. I think we were the, it was the last remote lockdown chat, I think, was you, was you and me, and of, the, of, of, the, of the COVID period. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, we did talk a little bit about, about the young ones. I can't remember what we talked about at all. I can't remember. So you can repeat yourself. You can, quite, it doesn't matter. I'll look, I'll look as surprised. <laughs> At all your questions. Um, I don't know if we talked about... Because I was interested in the how it came together because it felt like... Did someone decide to put you guys to, together or did someone write this... They'd seen you all at the comic strip, presumably, and said, let's put you in, let's put you in, let's put you in. But it was, was it something you... It was kind of that. Uh, Paul Jackson was very instrumental in it, uh, who was working at the BBC producing Top of the Pops is what he was producing at yeah. the time. And he came down the comedy store and he saw us all. And um, we were always hustling to get on telly. There was a programme called Friday Night and Saturday Morning. Uh, and Rick did a bit of Kevin Turvey on it. We, we were in our little slots. And yeah. I did, with Peter Richardson, we did 
the outer limits on that. So we, we had a little bit of taste of, of telly, and Paul Jackson um, came up with the, the best offer, which was something he called Boom Boom Out Go The Lights, uh, where he took from the club and put us onto one of those TV light entertainment floors, you know, because the cameras have got all slide around on this white light entertainment floor and everything's properly lit. And yeah. it kind of took an awful lot of the, of the bollocks out of it. Um, but we did two of those. Yeah. And, and so we stuck together. We were all talking about a house. Wouldn't it be good to do a house sitcom with the sketches so that each room would have a different one of our acts? There was uh, Rick and Aid was one of the acts. Me and Peter was one of the acts. And, um, and then Rick and Lisa and Ben came up with the idea for calling it the young ones, that they're students, that Alex is the landlord. And so we all got to ply our acts on telly in a way that we considered viable rather than giving in to what the telly... Yeah, the standard way of doing it on telly. And it started together... I mean, it started together pretty well in terms, I guess, of, of you and... Rick and AIDS being, you know, not having worked together directly and then suddenly being... Well, we'd together. been working together on tours as, as yeah. acts in the same, in the same show, show, in the yeah. comic strip show. But, but, and we know we had, we'd done sketches, we did something right. at a place called Pentameters, uh, the four of us. So uh, uh, Peter, myself, Rick and AIDS were already a sort of gang. We did a band called Nice Weather. <laughs> okay. Which is kind of a precursor. They were the hippie version of Bad News before they, <laughs> before they came along. And we did something else called Let, Let's Going, which is a travel writer called Let's, Mr. <laughs> Somebody Let's. And, and we did, yeah, we, we were doing sort of sketches and tours. And one night I remember on a tour, either Rick or Adrian couldn't turn up. They were late in the train, and I had to put the paper bag on my head for whatever routine it was and go out. And th- so we were yeah, all, so yeah, we were all in a, in, a, in a gang, really. Yeah. And it was, it was an incredible time in, for, for comedy in terms of the alternative comedy boom that you were right in the centre of, centre of Channel 4 kind of emerging at the same time. Yeah, and, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. The, uh, the, the comic strip is, you know, one of, again, that's one of my memories of the first day of... Of Channel Four, that the comic strip yeah. was comic strip Five Go Mad in Dorset, and then but then all the other ones that came after that as well, which you're obviously at the centre of as well. Yeah, not I'm not in that one though. No, not in that one, but you're at the centre of the comic um, strip. Because in a way, it's good because we got Ronald Allen to do the part that I would have done. Yeah, uh, the old guy to play Uncle Quentin. Yes, um, and that's sort of Peter in in making those scripts always sees me as the sort of the pervy uncle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> character yeah um i'm that of my generation is that that who you are yeah (laughs) but um (laughs) but i was unavailable i was doing something called shine on harvey moon at the same time so i was it was quite a stressful time i was in all three series at the same time which meant timetables were 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 quite difficult yes well you know like i say i don't want to i don't want to talk about that too much because i think there's so there's so much other stuff uh, that you've done. We did talk about Nicholas Craig a lot on the on the other podcast, and you've brought. I think that it maybe part, partly inspired you to do a podcast of oh, Nicholas, Nicholas Craig, Craig a yeah. podcom. Yeah, 
Yeah, but a podcast is like this, isn't it? It's just people talking forever and ever and ever. It can be. And, and I don't know, people listen to it, do they? And, and, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if they do. That isn't really, that's not really my concern. But, <laughs> yeah. I just put the stuff out. As some of them, Nigel, some of mine, they definitely don't listen to. But this one, I think they listen to right, a lot. Right, good. No, but the Nicholas Craig is, a, is more like a podcom. Yeah. Uh, it's actually scripted and it's six half hours, like a proper sitcom used to be. Yeah. It's six half hours. It has a sort of it, developing story, nearly, uh, where, you know, he starts in one position. Each episode, there's a little sort of uh, thing that happens to him. Uh, he gets tricked out or, or something. And it was really good fun to uh, to make that. Um, I did, and I did it when we were all locked down as well. I've got um, Anthony Heads on it, yes, playing Nicholas Craig's arch rival, Anthony Head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's quite fun. It's quite fun, um, you know, bitching about Anthony Head <laughs> on your podcast, um, but. Yes, it's six half hours, and it's ridiculous to do six half hours on a podcast. You know, who's going to listen to I don't know how many listeners it's got. But it's there, you know, people can it's find there. it. And, and fun. people can yeah. find it. And, you know, it, it's sort it of... It is funny. I think But what's, what I, what's great about you and looking through your career, and, it really, and today really looking through it all again, it just made me realise, is, you know, how you've, you've reinvented yourself. You've, you know, you've, you work in a lot of different disciplines. Obviously, you're a very good actor. You do musicals. You've, you've come into sort of... You've written books before, but then now you start writing plays, uh, some of them with Adrian. Uh, and uh, you've written... Uh, which we all talk about, you've written a, a fabulous book uh, that's, just come, that's just come out. So you, and, and, you're, and you've been embraced as well by each generation. It's very, it's very easy, I think, for, for an actor to be, you know, have a, have a brief period of, going, of, you know, here I am, and then just they kind of disappear. But you've been, you know, you've, you can't, you've been in Inside Number Nine. You're inside. You're in Mandy. You know, the new generations have all embraced you, and you're, you're still doing fantastic work as an actor and a creative person. But I feel like you. It feels like you don't, you know, appreciate how good, you, how, how much you've done. You. It still feels from interviews that you feel like your moment hasn't come. Is, do you think that's fair? <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, does that make me sound good or bad? I don't know. I mean, I think it makes you sound like you haven't, you don't appreciate what you've achieved. Because even if you did, if you even if you'd stopped in 1983, it would still be that would still be a pretty impressive career. But you didn't, and you carried on and did, you know, and have done yeah. so many different things. I suppose there's a feeling always of of, of not being quite satisfied, which yeah. is good because that's a drive. Yeah. So it's good. That's a that's a good thing. But being kind of sour about everything is not so good is it, it? Is a, so it's good and bad but if it's but you know most people yeah. wouldn't carry most people don't you know get into i'm in i'm in my late 50s you're a little bit older than i am i'm quite a lot older yeah than you are, yeah most people of my age don't kind of push themselves out if they if they they get to a level where they go okay i'm happy here we'll, we'll you know keep treading water here you it seems to me you keep pushing yourself and you keep trying different things uh and you know i think that's a good thing yeah yes i do i suppose Low boredom and um, envy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's you know, to, to, to be honest, and I think 
most people are like this, but they don't admit it. It's sort of, why has he got that? You know, I want that. Yeah. And, and that drives a lot of people. It think. does. It's but... not just the money. It's like, why, why are they always giving Adrian, for example? <laughs> why are they giving him that part when, you know, I could have done that. You could have been in Star Wars, right? You could, have, you could have done Star Wars. Yeah, I'm not sure I would have wanted to. <laughs> but, no, I have got quite uh, grown up about it now. And, and actually, Adrian and I, I mean, we're, we're still writing together, so, and we're getting on pretty well. Yeah. But there's, 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 there's always that sort of thing, of, oh, so you got that, did you? You're doing that, are you? <laughs> so that means you can't write with me this week because you're, you know, you're, yeah. in, you're in Chicago now, are you? Oh, great. <laughs> and, and I think most people have have a dose of that, really, if they were honest. I think, I think a lot of comedy people do. I, you know, but I comedy think, people, yeah. I, I think, I, I I think, say, well, yeah. I think they do, but I think also it, it sort of blinds them sometimes to how well they've done themselves because you keep looking at someone out. There'll always be someone who you perceive as doing better yeah, than you are. Yeah. And it's very difficult, especially, you know, if you're a modest person, it's difficult to appreciate, you know, what you've done, I think. The things that do take satisfaction out of, though, are, are, are maybe the odd... Things where I think I, that was particularly difficult for me, that one, and I did that, and so I'm very pleased and I'll come home at night and think, I did, I did that, and that wasn't what people are expecting of me or that's not, yeah. you know, that I've managed to come out with that. And then, I, and then I, get, I do get a satisfaction out of that. Yeah. And, I, you know, I would look at your career, you know, you've been in Inside Number 9, most comedy people, would, the, 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 the people they've had in Inside Number 9 are absolutely incredible, you would dream mm. of being in that show. That's amazing. Yeah. For me, Death in Paradise, I, wouldn't, I want to do that. <laughs> I just mainly want the holiday, but it's not the point. Yeah. And I'm I annoyed. think it is the point, <laughs> It is the point. And <laughs> I keep going on about it. I met the bloke who created Death in Paradise oh, and told him you? I've watched every single episode of Death in Paradise. Oh, really? And he didn't go, oh, do you want to be in it? He just went, oh. <laughs> said, oh, it's, great. it's great you love it so much. So which yeah, one? Fucking put me in it. Which one is your favourite? Which I, I think Ralph Little is, uh, is pretty good. You, yeah, I'm, I'm quite, I, I, yeah, Ardle was great as well. Ardle was great. You were, you were in one I of Ardle's. I was with Ardle, yeah. He was getting... A bit tired yes. and mosquito-bitten <laughs> yeah. by, by the time I got there. Yeah, you don't want to be the main guy in it. Well, the main guy, the they, all, they all have trouble with it, don't they? Yeah. The, you know, they're months and months, and you've got to remember a different load of questions. It's that thing about <laughs> being the detective. Yeah. You don't realise they've got to go, the 14th was the day that you disappeared from St Christian's <laughs> and you moved, of course, to Twickenham. Why did you do that on the 14th and not the 15th? You've got to have all this information yeah. while you're questioning them. And it's just the same show over and over again. It's so it's really, it's really difficult. All that changes <laughs> is what you've got to learn yeah. every week. And they have to learn it every week. Yeah. So I think it scrambles the brain of the main guy. Yeah. But if you're playing a guest baddie... <laughs> it's good. It's a it's nice and it's, you know, I, yeah. I, I find it, it's a very entertaining show. It does exactly what it needs to do. You know. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to gather all the suspects <laughs> together and I'm going to talk, talk to them each and they're going to wait until I've finished. <laughs> and then when their game's up, they'll all go, oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it Fair cop. And... <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. But yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's some... Let's, let's talk about the book, because you know, I think there's a lot to talk about in the book. Uh, Jeremiah, Born in Time. So t- tell us how this... Because I'd, I'd, I'd listened to the... You did an, an audio version of it, but you're telling me backstage the book came for yeah let, hold it up there you go i hold paid for this book to be bought, created because yeah. it's an unbound book so you could you know you put your money in and you wait a little while and then the book turns up quite yeah, a few quite thank a few you. years later quite, yes a while later <laughs> but no thanks for your thanks for your support so, so my name's in the book so i'm very yeah excited. it is um but uh, yeah what what's what was the it's a it's a it's a time travel yeah, story which i'm fascinated sort of, by time travel so it's I'm, a sort of futuristic historical, steampunk comedy. I'm not very good at genres. <laughs> so I just shoved as many in as I could. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's... A, it's a, I read all the... Not all of them, but nearly all of the Terry Pratchett books on audio. Yeah. And I used to really enjoy that. Big cast list of characters, lots of silly voices. And reading fast, not, not some sort of literature reading, like an audiobook, but literally just like you read it to your kids or something, just just enjoying the read. Yeah. And so the, the I've written some books before, but I, I thought, why can't I write like that? So I've sort of been inspired by him in a way, and even to the extent that I've put pointless um, footnotes <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and really sort of pedantic footnotes in the bottom because I love his footnotes as well yeah and yeah I, I thought I'll write I'll try and write in in something that people might actually enjoy reading <laughs> rather than some uh sort of soul soul searching thing yeah and it's set in three time zones it's a time travel story except it's slightly different from normal because time travel normally means tr- time and space relativity it means you you can find yourself in another place but in this version it's much more like how i imagine how it's in your imagination so you you don't travel in space you travel in your memory you can remember back somewhere and you can be there but you're but you're here time past is still here now with us yes like that thing you know if you've got a you, I've put that cup there, and then I just go off, and I come back, and I think I put. I'm sure I put the cup there, but I can't see it on the table. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. You've lost your specs, and you. I know I put them on the table. 
and then you, three times, fourth time you come back and they are there. <laughs> yeah. You think, well, why couldn't I... Am I looking straight at them? <laughs> or, other, or what? And I imagine that the past is like that. We're looking straight at it. Um, and it'll, it'll appear. And that, that's the method of time travel. Yeah. Rather like a, um, an inherited memory that you might... Like birds can fly south or little beavers build a dam even without having been near a river if they've been brought up in a, in a flat. Right. Saw this little video <laughs> on Twitter. No, seriously, there was, a, <laughs> there was a video on Twitter just last week of a, of a beaver that had been brought up in a flat and the first thing it did when it could walk is build a dam in the flat. Right. <laughs> so how, what's happening with, with our... With, memory yeah. you know what, what's happening and so i was imagining in the future this inherited memory might get developed and so people in the future can travel backwards so it's set in the same place blackfriars road in 2019 jeremiah bourne's there and 1910 where he goes back by accident and 2123 where uh, the world in a hundred years time um, is remarkably like the world nowadays in that everyone's still bickering. Yeah. Um, the residents' association are still not getting on with each other. <laughs> and um, because there's been a big digital meltdown, I was trying to think, how would you write a future thing? Are you going to put... Do we music? <laughs> and is it going to be like Blake Seven? Yeah. Or... Or is it going to be like this? It's going to be shit like this, isn't it? You know. And so I imagined a day when all of the data has disappeared from one last click. Somebody, Jeffrey Pritchard, I've called him, okay, it's good. goes into a bar in Bermondsey and goes through the usual... You know, to order a pint of beer, you know, uh, password, advertising, <laughs> program, get the new app, blah, 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 pint of beer, yes, please, click. And that is the final click. Right. Um, and all, it's the day that the Internet of Things becomes the Internet of Nothing. And there's absolutely no data left. Yeah. And where would that leave us? So people with a memory, like a taxi driver, Jeremiah Bourne's mum is a taxi driver, uh, and they have the knowledge. They actually, I read somewhere, have, can have bigger hippocampi. That's right, yeah. You know, yeah. because they've, they've trained, they have super memories. Yeah. So people in the future with, with big memories would suddenly become rather important. If we lost all... Imagine if you've lost all the data. Yeah. If everything was gone, we wouldn't know how to make anything, how to do anything, <laughs> would we? Everything, you know, control your heating with data, everything. I think increasingly, yeah. I mean, it is, that is a sort of worry because everything's becoming digitalised, you know, and obviously yeah. anything that isn't yeah. digitalised, you know, won't last forever. So in, in my future world, they're, they're, they're growing things again and they're going around on push-me-pull-you tracks on <laughs> railways and bicycles. Somebody's yeah. remembered how to make bicycles. And um, 
and they're all bickering. <laughs> and um, that's quite fun, but they have developed their memories so they can travel in time. Yeah. It's, you know, it's an interesting idea, and I think the, memory, the, way, the, the way the time travel happens is, you know, it, you don't need a machine, it's just quite organic because it's, all, it's, yeah. it's connecting through the brain. So yeah. it sort of, you know, cuts out a lot of the faff. I'm, I, you know, I'm quite obsessed with time travel stuff and what makes logical sense and what doesn't make logical sense and yeah. whether changing whether changing the past changes the future or not, or whether, you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's, you know, it's yeah. a really difficult genre to write well because you can get yourself caught up in... Changing loops. the past. Well, that's yeah. what he's not meant to do, yeah. but he blunders around. Okay. Um, and because he, he doesn't know where he's from, the, the clue is in the title, Jeremiah Born in Time. Uh, he's living with his stepfather and his mum has disappeared. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to ruin the plot no. too much, but no. those are a few hints as sure. to, uh, the, you know, the journey he's got to go on is to find out where and why his mum is yeah. and who he is, where, when, where he's from. I, it's not ruining it too much to say when he's from. No. <laughs> OK. Because he doesn't know when he's from. No. I've only just... Because I've only just... It only just arrived. I've only just started uh, reading it. And I listened to the... The radio play that you did with Big Finish, but that's a, that's a little bit different than the... Yeah, the book came before that radio drama, yeah. and, the, and the, it's also called Jeremiah Born in Time. Yeah. We had a fantastic cast. We had Tim McInerney, Chris Ryan, oh, uh, Sophie Thompson, Sophie's hope I don't forget anyone, Celia Imry, amazing yeah. audio cast. Um, but it was Big Finish who do... They, I don't know if you've, you know them, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I, was, I had my, my head... Crushed by a Cyberman, which is uh, in, in one of their... It's, they do Doctor Who audio adventures. Yes. It was not real. People are worried. I, I, my, my head's fine. Uh, it was quite an active job to work out how, what sound you would make as your head was crushed by a Cyberman. But I, I think I, I nailed was, it. I was, um, I was an arachnid oh, yeah. person. So I had this range of voices that was for the spider people. Right. Yeah. So they're great fun. Yeah. Um, and I showed them the, 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 the very first draft of the book and they, and they said, yeah, make a drama of this. But it is only uh, one sort of slice of the whole story and the, and the story is expanded in the book. There's a lot more characters and his aunt is a very important person in it. Oh, somebody's... So it's kicking off over there. There's people, yeah. it's the big finish. So it's quite big. Yeah. You, everything Okay. Okay, you can shut up now. Now we're, you've got a chance to voice your. No, okay. Is it a fight? Uh, some, is someone filming? Oh, that's naughty. This is what emergency questions are for. What have you got there? This is, these are my emergency questions. They're for they're for when there's an Was emergency it? in the show. Um, <laughs> doesn't happen very often. I can deflect. <laughs> I can deflect. Uh, <laughs> Got to try to get one that will deflect and not be too weird. Um, if you could go into a chrysalis uh, and come out of the chrysalis as anything you wanted to be, what would you choose to emerge from a chrysalis as? Nigel Planer. Oh. Yeah. Anything I want to be. You'd be anything, but what would, you, what would you dream of being if you weren't you? You can be anything, you can be another person, you can be another thing. Oof. That's too... Yeah, I'd, I'd probably chicken out and say I'll be me because... <laughs> That's good. Because you could make a terrible mistake. Well, you know... The, couldn't you? Do you think you caterpillars could... regret becoming butterflies? Uh... 
drifting, and he butterflies look back out. It was much better when I was down in the shit, grubbing around for food, eating, yeah, those, but eating it, my way through lots of fruit and leaves. It so could be fun. that. It could be bad, though, yeah. you know, like back on your heads in, yeah. the, in the hell, like yeah. that, you know. I, I, um, that, that's a very good answer, I think, Nigel. I, I feel this is my therapy question. Yeah, I go think on. To say to, for someone to say, I'd like to come out as myself as I am now. <laughs> I mean, that's I didn't a, say that's as a... I am now. <laughs> I'd like to come back in the new improved version. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. So already, would you be? Would you be? Would you be younger? Would you be fitter? Would you be? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what would? What is the ideal age to be Nigel Plain? Ah, what's the ideal age? Forty. Forty. Ooh. Yeah, I would choose, but I would choose forty as well. Forty was would when, I, well, that's when I met my wife. But also, I was, you know, I was at the, I was at the height of my powers. I think at forty. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't think my wife would have, you know, she's regretting it now, sixteen years on, <laughs> when she realizes that, you know, I'm an old old man. Um, but, but forty, uh, you've got, you've got some wisdom. If you go back before then, yeah. you're still dumb, aren't you? Yeah. Whereas at 40, you've, you've gained a little bit of wisdom, not too much, and you're still, you, you still have your physical yeah. powers and all that. No, 40, I'd come back as me at, at 40. 40. Old Nigel playing at 1990. Not like the real me is 40, because I was in a terrible mood. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> new improved Nigel at a new improved 40. So you'd come out as yourself at a time in your life where you were messed up. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's good. Uh, that's no, future very... 40. Very, very good answer. Um, uh, I'll do one more and then we'll go back to your, uh, back to your career. Um, which part of your life... I, think, I don't know if I've asked anyone this. Which part of your life do you look back on and think, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> sort of the same question, maybe, as we just started. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of it. <laughs> I mean, it? There's a I lot. Do. Don't most people... Surely, a lot, a, a lot... Like yeah. a lot, a lot. And pretty much all the time, two years on, I look back. There was a point in the early 2000s where I didn't wash my hair for two years. I look back and go, what was I thinking? There, there. there was a theory that, you know, your hair becomes self-cleaning. Oh, doesn't. yes, yes. Doesn't. <laughs> Fucking I doesn't. I remember that. And I, st- <laughs> but I still persisted with it. I don't know how any... I don't know how I got any sex in the year 2000 to 2002. But I, I tried but I that. I tried that for a yeah. few weeks. Okay, give it a go. Yeah. No. No. No, absolutely no. not. What was, the, what was the question again? What part of your life... Which part of your life do you most look back on and think, what the fuck was I thinking? I most people would be teenagers, maybe, but I don't know. I'm, I keep making mistakes. Yeah, I mean, there's just... It, it's, it's pockets all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> Quite often. Yeah. Probably last week... You know, last month, it, it, yeah, too much to too. What's that expression? Too often, too small to mention, but too often <laughs> to just you know forget. Yeah, but look, a lot of middle-aged men and later middle-aged men go kind of a little bit crazy in lots of ways. Like you know, and it, it feels to me like you've 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 you're still you, and you're still. I think you, I think the. 30, 40-year-old, you wouldn't look at you and go, oh, no, what have you become? No, maybe not, but I, I have become quite grumpy, have you, you know, <laughs> shout at, shouting at the telly. Yeah. My wife used to sort of really get 
annoyed with me for talking through the telly and criticising everybody and everything on the telly. And she'd say, well, I, I wonder what, I'm going to watch it on my own then, if you're going to make all this noise. And yesterday or the day before, she was watching the telly and I went into the other room and I heard her shouting at the telly. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> she was going, oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> What I do that annoys my wife is that if, if I'm watching anything from, like, 30 year, years ago or more, I go through Wikipedia and tell her who's dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was looking at The Sound of Music, uh, the kids in The Sound of Music. <laughs> Some of them are still here. It's like, we don't... But Julie Andrews has done incredible... And Dick Van Dyke, probably by the time this goes out, they'll both, both be dead. But uh, it's... <laughs> Mary Poppins had an incredible... They had a couple of early, go, early deaths. One very sad one. Uh, but, um, you know, Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews and... Uh, what's her name? Millicent... Um, the woman who played the votes for women. She's only just died, that, that lady. She, Millicent Martin. It wasn't Millicent Martin. No. I can't, no. Right. What was the name of the, the mother in Mary Poppins? Wikipedia. Have you got your... <laughs> yes. Phyllis... 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 No. Edit. Just edit point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the... Phyllis Johns, that was it. I nearly got it, didn't I? Nearly got there. Thank you. That's my producer who has Wikipedia ready. For... In the old days... This audience, you ask them a question, honestly, bang, someone would know it straight away. My audience has got a lot thicker. It's in the last... We've been doing this for 13 years, this show. They've got older, they've got thicker. They're not like they've got the, the good old days. So, uh, one of the plays you've written with um, Adrian... Now, have you just changed the title of one of these plays, or is it the same play? Because there was a play called Vulcan... There was a play called Vulcan 7, which Adrian and I... Uh, uh, wrote together, and then we toured it, yeah. playing these two uh, 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 two old actors or middle aged actors, which is why we're no longer playing them. <laughs> um, and it was called Vulcan Seven. It's about two actors in a in a Winnebago on the side of a volcano in Iceland, and their route of escape is is cut off, and they're stuck with each other. It's a bit sort of waiting for Godoy, yep. and. They're there with the runner, the woman who's the runner. She's 21 years old, it's her birthday. And um, they reckon, while they're stuck there and getting a bit drunk, that either one of them might be her dad. Okay. That's the kind of twist in the plot. Anyway, um, we ha- it is the same play, but it's not the same play, because, again, as with any, any project... I, I believe in this sort of concept of fluid text where things take a while to develop and at some point they print it but or sometimes, you, you know, you put the production out. We came back after that. Produ- we were rewriting all the way on the tour. We came back home afterwards. We rewrote it again quite s- substantially. Uh, the girls' part is now much bigger and we renamed it It's Headed Straight Towards Us which is a better title yeah. than Vulcan 7 and also is clearer about what the, the story is. People yeah. thought, coming to see it, that it was a science fiction thing. It was going to be a science fiction. And so it's the same and yet it's not the same. It's better. Yeah. And we've got some proper actors in to play the parts now. <laughs> so we've got some really good 
people to play us. We, we found that with the two of us on stage, acting it in theatres around the country, there was an expectation that it would be like Bottom or that there would be, you know, some shouting and swearing and physical comedy. And th- that was a sort of disconnect with the audience because it's a, it's a very funny play, but it's also a very moving play. I mean, it's, it's, it's got sad bits too and it's, you know, it, it's... Yeah. It's it's a proper play. Um, and so we thought that what we've got to do to solve this, A, we've got to rewrite it, retitle it, and we've got to get some proper actors in <laughs> who are the right age because it's also... We were, we're more old enough to be this girl's grandparents. Yeah. Uh, so it was a bit sad, two old blokes on, on stage, yeah. whereas we've got Samuel West is playing the part that I played, and Rufus Hound is playing the part that Adrian played. Amazing, yeah. And it's going on at the Park Theatre in Finsbury Park in September. Terrific. That's great. I mean, this is, this is like an amazing, you know, creative burst, it seems. I know this is, this pro- both these projects have been going on for a little while, but they're sort of coming to fruition at the, at the same time. And those sound like quite different projects. Yeah, they are different. Yeah. And there's a third one that's been brewing... For, for, for actually for 50 years, um, which is coming out in September. Wow, OK. Um, and I'm going on tour with Henry Normal. Do you know Henry yeah, Normal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was a poet first, um, comedian poet, and I went on tour with him in the 90s Did you? as a performance poet. Yes. And uh, then he took over Steve Coogan's company, the, the, the production company. And he ran that and wrote for Steve Coogan for 25 years. Yeah. Then he's resigned from that. He's back into poetry and invited me out on tour with him again. So, and he said, you've got to have a book this time. You've got to have a poetry collection. This, now we're going out together. So he put me in touch with his poetry publisher who said, yeah, we'll do a collection of your poetry. So I went, <laughs> I went back to the files thinking, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and I've got a, a, a poetry collection coming out and, and I've put dates on them all because I've gone back. The first poem, the la- actually, I put them in reverse order. Okay. So it's like a memoir um, in poetry, in poems, uh, that goes back. So one that was written this year is 2023 and it goes back and the first one's 1970. Wow. So all those, you know, those terrible things you wrote when you were a teenager, <laughs> yeah. they're in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And are they serious, especially the teenage ones, are they earnest and serious or are they, or are they comedic? They're both. Yeah. There's some which are just comedic because yeah. when I was, originally they were all very heartfelt and, <laughs> and embarrassing. Yeah. Um, but then I didn't... I, they're not too bad. I did... You know, I, I used to get published in magazines and in collections and things. Yeah. Um, and then I... And then I... Um, start, when I started to go on tour with Henry, I started to put more comic ones in because it makes for a better evening. You, you know, you don't want to go... He's a... <laughs> you know, mumble, mumble. Um, so I kind of go between the two. Yeah. And um, so there's there, there's comic and there's 
and there's non-comic. Yeah. But, the, you know, this is inc- you know, it's an incredible... I mean, you're still acting, you're still writing, you know, this is, and, and doing all these varied things. It's, you've got to feel like, you know... This year I am feeling like that, but these yeah. things... I'm feeling good because I think this is great. We've got the book and the play and the poem. This is fantastic, you know. But all of these things, as you said, they represent about ten years' work each. Yeah. Um, and those ten years... Have been hard. But Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they have in a way because you're yeah. writing... If you've written many drafts of something again and again and nobody's paid you and nobody's said, hey, that's good... And, and you've gone and tried to get people to put it on and they don't even answer your emails. I mean, this is the reality, the same as everybody else. They're not, it, it, it is quite hard to sort of think, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give that another draft, I'll, go, I'll, I'll have another go. I've, I've got a film script, which finally I've found a director for, and I looked at the files just yesterday and I sort of, I think I started writing it in 2008 <laughs> and I think I've written... 26 drafts of it now. I've been through two or three producers. We still haven't raised the money. Um, but it's good, at least the, the satisfaction is, it's good now, I can read it again. And I've shown it to a few people now, and I think, no, it actually, it works. This, that's the satisfaction. Yeah. If anybody made this, it works. The script actually works. And that's taken years to get there. Yeah, but I think that, you know, in a sense... Um, you know, I think sometimes people, again, reach a, a level where everything they do gets made, right, straight away. And, yeah. and then they don't put in the 20... They don't do 26 drafts of anything. They do one draft or something, if you're lucky, and sometimes they just turn up and go, let's see what we come up with today. And so, like, by having that period, by having, like, even if it's a... You know, it's not a wilderness period because you've been working for the last 10 years as well because I've seen your IMDb page, so you've still been acting. Yeah, But yeah. Even, if you, even if you would call it a wilderness, if you can call, like your 60s, a wilderness period, because most people are thinking about not carrying on working at that stage, not, not performers, but most people who aren't performers will think, well, I'm getting ready to re- retire and, you know, spend the rest of my life yeah, playing yeah. Scrabble, which I'm looking forward to. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, the fact you've done 26 ver- versions of each of these things is, is what makes them great, and that's why, they're, they're, you know, because you've... Well, I hope so. Worked. I mean, I hope so. It's much, I think it's more... Fun. It's really satisfying... Yeah. If you can get something right every now and then, that's better than Scrabble. As a retirement occupation, yeah. to sit with yourself and, and be researching something, because usually I, I, I like to write things, uh, I'm very sort of historically uh, motivated. Yeah. And to, to be doing that and especially if it's funny, yeah. and then you're giggling to yourself because you think, oh, this is funny, or making Adrian laugh, which is <laughs> yeah. even better, you know. Um, well, it's, it's true. I really love the idea of you two working together because, you, know, it, you know, it's nice to have that like, continu- the continuum of, of the two of you still being you know, creative together, but equally, for both of you, I mean, it's so far away from, from where, you, where you started as well. I, I have to say, that was the impre- you know, one of the impressive things about the Jeremiah Bourne uh, in time is is that you know, you've obviously researched the t- certainly the nineteen tens and you haven't really researched the twenty one hundreds very well I don't think but the uh, the nineteen yeah. the nineteen tens you know you've the, there's lots of about language isn't there? there's a, a, certainly in the radio play of 
the way people talk and, and how, yeah. how different it would be for someone from now to go back even 100 years. You would yeah. almost, you know, you're talking a different language. I'm, I'm going to have a problem next. It's, it, they've called it, they've put the first of three of a trilogy. Yeah, I noticed that. They put that on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> no, I've got... But I do have a plan for the second one. And, and the language is a, is a problem because I want to investigate, go back to uh, 1666, around the time of the Fire of London, yeah. and the Royal Society and Isaac Newton and um, Robert Hooke, and they had a, 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 a copyright battle between them okay. over, uh, over the ideas. And um, I want to go back then, but it's quite difficult to imagine how would they talk and then to think, and how can I make it funny as well, you know, because you want to have character voices talking. 1910 is not so difficult. It's not that far removed from the way we talk. no. But, but if you're but writing it, for 1666, yeah. how did they talk then, really? And, and how, what can I get away with <laughs> in terms of making it funny? Yeah. You know? I mean, that's interesting. But there was a, thing, there was a news article on BBC News about a woman who'd lived in the same house for 105 years, um, which is sort of basically almost exactly the timeline of, of this book. Of what I'm so saying, she was yeah, born yeah. in the house and she's 105 years old. She's lived wow. in the house her whole life. Yeah. But she was talking about how, you know, there was, no, there was one gaslight, you had to put a penny in it. It's amazing how much time has changed, you know, how much has changed in that 100 years. It's almost, I mean, there's, no, there's not been 100 years in human history where as much has changed, I would say, as the last 100. So I would say, although 1910 and 1666 are going to be quite a long oh, way Oh, I apart. see what you're but, you saying. Know, I mean, yeah, a, a yeah, lot, yeah. That's what struck me about it was, was how different 1910 was. Like, you know, you so think, I've oh, just 19... got to be careful not to go back to... <laughs> The great vowel shift. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that? It's like pre-Chaucer. Yeah. Chaucer time, there was something called the great vowel shift when suddenly all the vowels changed their sounds and nobody knows why, I, yeah. I, I think. Anyway. Yeah. So I won't go back before the great vowel shift. You might have to. If you're doing three books, you might have to find... Oh, yeah. <laughs> or go back further and do it all in Latin. Yeah. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> But you know that it's 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 a it's a real piece of work already. So if you do do three of them, uh, it's going to be you know it, it, that that's that's what's impressive about it. And I think that's what I'm trying to say in this conversation is you know what this this ten years you've spent working on all these projects is not is has has been that, that an important important creative time that you know again if people have been falling over themselves ten years ago to produce all of these things, you might just have. You know, put out yeah. something that wasn't absolutely, as good. absolutely right. So you know, there's yeah. a, I, I mean, it's, speaking personally as well. There's a you know, there, there's an element where you think, oh, I, I wish you know the scripts I've been writing over the last twenty years had been made into anything. But equally, you're learning every time you. Yeah, you do. You do, you do learn you every time. And uh, I always like to remember, uh, you know, Madame Bovary, the novel by Flaubert. I'm aware of it. Yes. He wrote the first draft, very famous novel, French, turn of the century. He wrote the first draft, wasn't quite happy with it, and he didn't get round to the second draft for another 25 years. Right. <laughs> but he must have been, you know, tinkering at it all of that time. Um, so that things like that uh, uh, keep me going. <laughs> well, if Flaubert waited 25 years, then yeah. I'm, just, I'm just a beginner here. Yeah, and I think, you know, all this... It, you know, it does... I mean, you are, can, I take, can I tell them how old you are? You're, you're seven, 70, 70 yes, years I'm old, 70, which is, yeah. you know, and you don't... 
you know, you don't see him. This is great. I love coming on you this. You don't show. see a day. <laughs> it's been, I'd, he's, I'd have all said. All these are so good. I'd have said 67. You're brilliant. 60, <laughs> 60, 67, 68. So it's, you're doing amazingly well. Yeah. I got a couple of years on it. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know, it's, it's like, like you say, a lot, if, if a lot of people would be stopping working, but I think by, by carrying on working, you know, it's, it keeps life vivid and. This is very philosophical, this book. It's, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it sounds like the players as well. Um, how do we find out about the, the Henry Normal tour? Is, that, is, there, is there somewhere where the date... Have you got a website where the dates are up or...? Uh, with the, or... Uh, do you know, I, I, I have got a website, but I haven't put the dates up on my website. Well, I should. You will, have, you will have done by the time this, this... We can travel into the future now. Yeah. And change, <laughs> and change the, no, past, the past so the people listening no, no, yeah, to at home yeah. can go to... Have you got a website? Is it your own website, Nigel? <laughs> Nigelplaner.com? .co.uk? Co.uk. .co.uk, yeah. I will, I'll put the dates up on there. Henry Normal has a website. Yes. And our dates are up on that. Okay. I'm just sort of hitching a ride with Henry, really. <laughs> Literally, because I think he's going to do the driving. <laughs> I hope he is. Well, it's, you know, what a tri- you know, that's a terrific night of, of two fantastic performers, really interesting people. Um, we haven't had Henry on here. We must, must get Henry on. To, oh, yeah, you must. Show, yeah. Especially now he's back performing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was about 20 years he was, he was a businessman. Yeah, I mean, he must have, running made, a, Steve must have made a lot of money. One hopes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he's financing the tour. Yes. <laughs> you get a million pounds a gig. Um, <laughs> Well, look, uh, we haven't got too much longer. Uh, there, was, see, there was a lot of things. I was, there's, there's loads of stuff we still haven't talked about. We've done too. You wrote the uh, Not the Nine O'Clock News sketch about That's Life. don't know if I mentioned that. Oh, yeah, time. yeah. We that's, did, I remember that that's sketch. That's years ago. I know, but um, you and Peter. Me and Peter, but it was also my brother Roger and his mate Mark Smith. Right. Who used to work at LBC when it, when, when it first started. The, it was the four of us who wrote this, the sketch, really. Because uh, my brother Roger used to write for Mel Smith and Griffiths Jones right. and Radioactive on the radio. He was a he was a BBC comedy writer. Yeah. So um, four writers, but it sells well. That nine o'clock news stuff. Does it? At the time, yes, we couldn't believe it. We got actual money. Are you still get you still getting four p every six months from it? No, I think it's long gone now. <laughs> but at the time, yeah. when they sold the album of it, oh yeah, we were. We were shocked because <laughs> when you write, as my brother did for for BBC comedy, the the money was terrible, terrible, terrible. You know, yeah. so much for a minute. If we like the minute, uh, we'll give you four quid. Kind of, it yeah. was It was really. Have you ever done that? I didn't. We wrote weekending, which was weekending. That's the one. Twenty yeah. pounds. I think we got twenty pounds a minute by the time I was doing it. Right. Oh, but well, you know, you, there was a. If you didn't get anything on, you didn't get any money. So there was, the, there was like eight weeks where. So they weren't commissioning. When they said, "I oh, will commission," uh, you know, half an hour of material off you. Yeah. If you wrote one minute out of that that they liked, you only got paid for one minute. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> but it's. I, I find that it, I, I love the idea of not the not, not nine o'clock news being connected to the young. You know, I love all those. Connections and Paul Jackson was the guy who commissioned us to do. I think this morning, Rich, not Judy. He was he was a big and and uh, you can choose your friends, uh, which I did on ITV when he was he was there. He was a big supporter of Stuart and my stuff. So, was he? Was yeah, he? so it's, it was kind of really. I love that you know those connections that go through the de- the decades with comedy. So it's nice to know that you were, 
you know, involved with not, not the night. Not the night. Well, first night of the uh, of the comic strip club, we had um, as our sort of guest star because we had our act, but we wanted to make it a, a starry, sprawny night. Yeah. We had Pamela Stevenson was top of the bill wow. on our on on the first night of the comic comic strip because we all knew each other. I can't think why or where you met them. You know, in the 80s, there was an awful lot of... All the different comedy groups, you'd, you'd all bump into each yeah, other yeah. all the time. Well, there was, there, you know, it, well, it, it, we won't go crazily into this because there isn't time, but it was like, it was... I mean, it's a time that Stuart always goes on about, about being an amazing time, and it's, he, curated, he did that show where he curate, curated a lot of his favourite acts from the uh, yes, 80s, I was, which, I which did you were that. involved yes, in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, he, he always talks about the Iceman, who I interviewed for the book club. He's written a book. Do you remember the Iceman? He used to... It might have been slightly later than the early 80s. I don't remember the Iceman. I remember the guy who put a firework up his ass. Chris Lynham. Yes. He's been a guest on the podcast. Has he? Really, yeah. Yeah, occasionally he got burnt. Yes. (laughs) Seriously injured. And the the greatest show on legs, who did a a striptease with balloons, popping balloons. Um, There were some really terrible acts, weren't there? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> including including ourselves, you know. <laughs> well, it was you know, but it felt like there were there, it, there was a lot of you know there was a lot of madness going on. There was a lot of people. Uh, even when I started doing stand up, that you couldn't really tell the difference between. You couldn't be sure if it was a comedian or just someone who'd wandered off the street, and you know. <laughs> uh, but and then very quickly it became a much more sort of professional, you know. And, yeah, and, when and, did that and, happen? Less... I, I think it became professional as soon as we. Left, because <laughs> we were. I mean, we mean in the comic strip yeah. group, but we we weren't very professional. And then I remember meeting somebody who said, "Oh no, I'm doing my comedy," and I left university in order to do comedy, as if it was a career choice. Yeah, as if doing this, you know. And I remember thinking, "Oh, this has gone, this has gone very, uh, you know, commercial and yeah. also very." Lucrative for those other people. <laughs> Where did we go wrong? Yeah, it's like the it's like football, and the early footballers didn't make much, and now these guys are making millions. But not yeah. all of them. Not so, all of them. where do you place yourself in well, this I'm, you know, spectrum? I, I'm sort of that. You know, I I but influenced by you guys and and by that whole scene. But again, by the six guys in the sixties as well. I I went to university hoping to do comedy more than anything else, and then came out of university. Wanting to do comedy, but I, but it's still at that point. It was that was the late eighties, early nineties, and it still wasn't like oh, you know, this will be a lucrative career. You thought I might, I might. But was it footlights? Were you at that? I was, in, I was in Oxford Review. Oxford Review. So, yeah. it, was, so it was it was similar to how it had been. Yeah. Foot, it was just Oxbridge, wasn't it? Well, and it was a lot, yeah. But, it, but after actually, the eighties, yeah. that opened up Manchester University yeah. with all the Rick and Aid and Ben all came from Manchester University. Yeah. Um, and, and it really, I mean, you know, we haven't got time to go into it, but I, in the late 80s, going up to Edinburgh as part of the Oxford Review was not a pleasant experience. <laughs> Scarred the rest of my life. Uh, but um, because the battle had been won, really, by them. But, um, but yeah, it was... The you know, battle had been well, won. Well, I think, Just like, the alter- alter- alternative comedy had, uh, had o- sort of overthrown the student review. Like this, the, There are people who still come out of Oxford and Cambridge, but it was, at the time, there, were, there wasn't... I was in a period where Armando Yanucci, Stuart Lee, Al Murray, Sally Phillips. There was a lot of good people in our period, but there hadn't been anyone since Rowan Atkinson really before that. I remember seeing an interview with Armando Yanucci and 
oh, I can't remember his name, the, the guy who used to do hour-long interviews, in-depth interviews on telly, yeah. media pundit, and, and Armando saying, well, I came out of Oxford, you know, and, you know, it was just such a black mark on me. You know, I couldn't get arrested. I couldn't get a job as a comedian. If he wanted to go into comedy, it would have all gone with all those... those uh, those other alternative people by then, and we're all going, come on. It's sort of a bit of both. It's sort of a bit of both. I think, you know, but Armando Iannucci is like the... He's a genius. Absolutely genius. And it felt like coming out, if there was, you know, I did the Edinburgh Fringe in 88, and we did did Late and Live, and we were heckled by every single comedian. I was 19 or 20 years old, and it it was apps. And then Keith Allen... uh, Oh, well, bullied, he's a spoiler anyway. Oh, he'll be, he's a spoiler anyway. He is. He? So, spoil so I had a very, <laughs> very unpleasant time that was, you know, that I'm, that I'm, I should go into therapy about. Yeah. But maybe now is the time I should talk to you about yeah. it, but we won't, we won't talk about it. We're not here to talk about me, and we're not here to well, talk about you anymore. it's interesting, though. It just, got, <laughs> it just got interesting. It did just get interesting, but I've got yeah. to do another... I've got to yeah, no, uh, wait got, away till next week. You've got important guests yeah, on, yeah. I've got the guests to come... But it means, Nigel, you can come back another time because we've still loads we didn't. Oh, come. right. Uh, and uh, absolutely fantastic to see you. These people love you, and rightly so. They've come. The amazing Nigel Planer. Thank you. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Nigel Planer. The music is by Scat Regard. I am indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Thank you also to Chris Evans, not that one, for walking around creepily behind my chair as I am recording these credits. I think it was him. Uh, thank you to everyone at Sky Potato and everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre. Thank you also to Catherine McKeegan for the excellent Rahalastapa. Rahalastapa.com. Check it out if you want to know a lot of information about this show. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and Go Fuzz, a Stripe.com production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.